November 20th, 2019, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, and we're joined as always by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Paul, good to talk to you again. Uh, how many on field fights have you been in since we talked last week? <laughs> I, I, I keep my helmet and my chin strap buckled. My helmet on and my chin strap buckled, Joe. <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's obviously referring to the, uh, the Miles Garrett incident that uh, took place after we talked. Uh, on uh, last week's show, uh, the, the suspension's pretty severe in that uh, Miles Garrett going to miss the rest of the season, and uh, no suspension for Mason Rudolph though. Uh, as of as of our recording today, uh, nothing has come down. Just a fine. Uh, what did you think of the uh, of the the way that the NFL handled it uh, compared to the way that you know Major League Baseball handles fights on the field that way? You're, you see pitchers, you know, get six games and they miss a start here or there. Uh, but, but, you know, compared to some of the ways that, that Major League Baseball sort of mets out its, its, its fines and its suspensions, what did you think of the way the NFL handled uh, the, the Garrett situation? I thought they did it uh, – they couldn't have done it any other way to me, Joe. They acted fast. They acted the next day, and they came down severely, and I thought, you know, it warranted that. That that was a, a transgression that you usually don't see, and uh, right. I thought I thought it was you know I thought they acted appropriately, and we'll see. I guess he's having his uh, hearing today, uh, but I I can't I can't believe they'll they'll reduce that at all. Maybe they reduce it one game, or but right now, I mean, you know, I think he deserves to be suspended suspended for the rest of the season, and uh, we'll see what happens with the appeal. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on the on the Garrett side of things in terms of the uh, um, the suspension. Unless unless something comes to light, you know that that shows you know Garrett. The video shows that Garrett was being separated, and was backing off, and if if Rudolph kept going at him, and you know there's you know rumors and, and talk about if he he punched him in a place where you're not supposed to punch a, a guy ever, uh, you know, and, and and did that. If there's audio from you know Garrett was mic'd up, if that's uh, something that can be used as evidence, but but I really don't see the the suspension being reduced uh, on Garrett's side. Kind of shocked that Rudolph didn't get at least one game. Uh, yeah, I mean maybe, and but he was on the ground, and uh, Garrett was on top of him, and you know the second man in of the the old NHL rules. Mm-hmm. You know the second guy in usually is the guy that gets caught, and and uh, Garrett was the, definitely the second guy in on that one. Well, and, and to compare it to anything, you know, in, in baseball, we were talking before the, the, we came, uh, came on and started recording was uh, Jose Offerman back in, in 2007 going after a, a pitcher who had hit him with a pitch in a, in a minor league game. And I think he broke, his, broke the guy's finger and the guy sued him for a million dollars. And uh, yeah, that was a, a, a pretty significant incident. And, and, you know, Offerman hasn't played or managed in, in professional baseball since then. Uh, and you brought up, uh, you know, Juan Marichal, uh, you know, back in 1965, that uh, that Dodgers uh, Giants rivalry was was one that was pretty intense. And you know, he wound up uh, he's a pitcher at the plate, and he he turned around and and hit the catcher uh, with a bat. Yeah, I mean, and the, I, I I've I've seen some pretty good fights on the field, Joe. I I remember in Milwaukee uh, when uh, Albert Bell ran over Jose Vina. Turned him into roadkill on his way to second base, and uh, later on in the game, uh, in the ninth inning, Bell walked by uh, Julio Tavares uh, between innings at the start of the bottom of the ninth, and uh, 
told Tavares, you know what to do. He threw it the first guy, and, and both benches emptied. And uh, <laughs> Joe Brinkman, the home plate umpire, uh, grabbed Tavares from behind, and Tavares flipped him, flipped the home plate umpire oh, wow. <laughs> over his shoulder onto his back. <laughs> Tavares <laughs> weighed all of 119 pounds. What's he doing flipping a, an umpire? Yeah, I mean, that was a wild fight. I've seen some fights in uh, um, um, in, in Oakland. Uh, the A's and Indians used to fight all the time. And uh, when uh, Pat Corre- when uh, um, uh, who was who was uh, uh, the, one of the pitchers, one of the Oakland pitchers, uh, Dave uh, Dave Stewart threw it uh, Tony Tony Bernazard, mm-hmm. and uh, Corrales, the manager, came out and and challenged. Uh, Stewart tried to karate kick him. Stewart, Stewart hit him with an overhand right, knocked him down, and both benches emptied. It was a crazy scene. Uh, uh, Carmen Castile was a, a boxer before he was a, a baseball player for the Indians. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dave Kingman uh, came after him, and he uh, – Castile boxed Kingman's ears off. He was just – it was like no contest. Right just behind like squared him. up and hit him. Hit him just like 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 normal boxing, like just yeah. He was like just jabbing, punches. jabbing, and Kingman wow. didn't have a chance. So it was yeah. There's been some. I've seen some pretty good fights. Oh, I, I would say you know, thirty five, thirty six years on the on the beat, and what thirty eight years on the beat, you've probably seen <laughs> seen your your fair share. Yeah, uh, yeah. The the closest thing I could I can come in in my years of covering, uh, you know, to a bizarre incident like this was being on the field for Bottlegate and seeing that, but. You know, there were no punches thrown in Bottlegate. There was just people going crazy in the stands. Uh, you talk about in the NBA, uh, the Malice at the Palace just had its uh, its its anniversary. I think it was you know 15 year anniversary. Of Ron Artest going up into the stands and you know beating the hell out of fans right. in Detroit. Uh, hockey, hockey, you sort of expect that kind of thing, and, and even even interactions among the fans or whatnot. But at hockey, they they fight, they 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 finish up, and then. It's almost gentlemanly the way they do it. <laughs> you fight, you get there. stitched up, and then you come back on the ice. <laughs> but, but I mean, you know, once some guy goes down to the ice, they, they drag the other guy away, and that's it. Yeah. It's over with. And then, you know, what you're, you're getting your, your suspension happens right there. So, I, I don't yeah, know. That's, I, that's part of the game. I don't know. Some people like it. Some people don't. But that's inbred in that game. I just, I, I just get a feeling after this Miles Garrett incident that, you know, the networks that cover and, you know, the four letter network that covers the NFL, it sets the agenda for the way that the incident was talked about. And we see that in a, in, in a little bit with the major league baseball network as well. But you know, the, the whole Garrett thing, immediately they're calling for his, his suspension for the season. And you know, that's what happened. I, I just don't like the feeling that the, the network sort of got to the, the talking heads on the network got to, set the agenda for how we talked about the, the, the incident. And it still sort of doesn't, doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. I mean, you know, but it's, it happens right in front of you. It happens on one of their primetime games. You know, it's unfortunate that it happened eight seconds left and, you know, geez, oh man, just uh, tackle the guy and walk away. I mean, you know, he couldn't walk away, obviously, because the quarterback helmet ripped off, but yeah. But still, I mean, you know, you got to, you got to take a deep breath once in a while. All right. Well, let's take a deep breath and uh, and reset the 40-man roster for the Indians, which uh, is due by 8 o'clock tonight. The Indians have to make moves and get themselves ready for 
the Rule 5 draft, which uh, comes up at the end of the winter meetings. And that's uh, there are two spaces right now on the, the 40-man roster. Uh, you wrote a piece uh, earlier this week uh, just talking about how Daniel Johnson, Tristan McKenzie are the sort of the no-brainer natural choices to, to fill those two spots. But there's, there's also a lot of other shuffling that, that, that needs to go on in, in order to sort of uh, prevent the Indians from getting, uh, you know, picked apart in their, their, their farm system on the, in the Rule 5 draft. Yeah, definitely, Joe. I think, you know, a left-hander, Scott Moss, probably he's, they've got to find a spot for him on the 40-man. Uh, and if you look, you know, if you look at the Indians – 40-man roster right now. I mean, there's there's some give and take. There always is. You know, you, you've got some spots where you could probably, you know, switch some guys in and out. And and one of the problems, Joe, you know, with the 40-man right now, one of the reasons it's so crowded is, you know, that uh, uh, Plesak, Savali, uh, uh, Karinchek came up. You know, those guys weren't even eligible for the Rule 5. Normally, if, if, they hadn't, if the Indians hadn't been hit by injuries and illness – you know, you, they wouldn't have been on the 40-man, but now they're on the 40-man, and if you have to take them off, you expose them to waivers and stuff. So those guys are on there, and, and that makes it a little tough, uh, tougher for the front office to, uh, you know, make, make the necessary moves to protect the guys they want to protect. Yeah, yeah, it's like the end of the season when, uh, when Karich, in September when Karachank was, was up with the team and, and everybody's expecting him to make his, his debut and all that. Uh, it, this is the kind of moment where you, you have to think ahead to to the the overcrowding on the the forty man, and normally they like to keep one or two spots where it's a it's a guy who you, you might not necessarily mind cutting loose uh, in order to add somebody like a Daniel Johnson or a, a Tristan McKenzie. Uh, you also listed, uh, I believe, Kai Tom was also one of the yeah, players. Kai Tom, uh, Louis Aviedo. Uh, there's some other guys uh, like uh, Jose Fermin. Um, the uh, the pitcher who was out in the Arizona Dennis uh, you know, Gonzalez, an outfielder. You know, so there's a, there's a, there's some talented guys that you know. Obviously, some some are going to get exposed, and they always do. I mean, you know, I sometimes you know I think maybe the Rule Five can be overplayed a little bit. You know, the significance of it. You know, when you think back, when I think back, I, I mean, you. you of the impactful players that the Indians have lost. You know, my first year on the beat, they lo- they lost Kelly Gruber, their mm-hmm. number one pick to Toronto. He turned into, you know, a, you know, a fine third baseman for Toronto, all-star third baseman, uh, you know, and uh, they've lost uh, Hector Rondon, who became the Cubs' closer. Uh, he's still pitching. He's, he pitched for uh, Houston this year. Um, you know, they've lost, you know, they've lost guys like uh, – you know, uh, uh, T.J. McFarland. You know, not, uh, you know Anthony San- Sanita- San- Santander. The Santander's the, with he Baltimore. Had a pretty now. nice season with the Orioles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he, you know, he had a good year, but uh, you know, and uh, so you know, I, I, I think you lose players, but it's also a sign that you have a pretty good uh, farm system when you can't protect everybody. Right. It's the it's the other clubs that are going to be scouting who's on that list that the Indians leave exposed. Uh, Brady Aiken, another uh, big name. Uh, he was a, a number one pick uh, of the Indians, and he's he's a guy who will will almost definitely be exposed to. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't pitched in two years. There's no right. no nobody's going to take him. Right. I, I, he's still in the organization, but 
I mean, this is a guy that, you know, you really, he's on a restricted list in the minor leagues right now. And uh, so, I, I mean, I don't know if he's going to continue to pitch or, you know, he's at that point of his career where, uh, and he's still young, obviously, but, you know, he hasn't, you know, he, they keep sending him back to the mine, you know, to uh, uh, spring training to uh, see if he can build up his arm strength. So, and he's still, you know, some guys come back from Tommy John and some guys don't. And maybe this is a case where, where the Indians spent a lot of money on a number one pick, which was more of a gamble than anything else, and it doesn't work out. Uh, the way the, the the Rule 5 draft goes, are, are you able to pull guys back off the list if, if one of your guys gets taken in a round? No. No, you, uh, you know, you can still make changes. I mean, if you sign a free agent or if you make a trade going into the Rule 5, you can still, you know, make changes to the roster. Uh, but you can't pull guys off. And you, you know the money part of it, right? Uh, if you lose a player, that, you know, if you get a player taken off your roster, your major league in the major league portion of the draft, mm-hmm. that team has to pay you a hundred grand. And, right. and he has to stay on their roster for yeah. the entire season. Or and if, if not, you, send, you offer them back. The other thing about uh, the rule five, Joe, is uh, this year the, the rosters are uh, expected to go to 26 man, man. So a lot of teams, I know uh, the Indi- including the Indians, you know, in, in putting the 40 man together, they were thinking about, do I protect a younger guy that, you know, might, that uh, might be on, at a ball, but a team might take a chance on, uh, you know, and draft him and uh, they could really hide, you know, put him as a 26 man and he's a bench player and, you know, you can keep him the full year or the required 90 days to, uh, you know, to then you could send him to the minors. So it's, 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 that's uh, kind of changes the dynamic of it a little bit. Yeah, probably easier to do with a position player in that situation uh, than a pitcher because the, the, they're going to have a, a certain number of pitchers, like 13 pitchers on that 26-man roster. Well, you know, let's get into that. Right now the uh, uh, the owners are meeting down in Texas, and uh, as you wrote over the weekend, they're expected to approve this um, uh, a whole bunch of, of new rules or, uh, you know, adjustments to uh, the game, uh, including this three-batter minimum that uh, is, is something that uh, Terry Francona mentioned a couple of times during the season, and, and he's not a, not a big fan of, uh, as you can imagine, Terry Francona, who uh, is pretty adept at using his bullpen, um, uh, is, is just not looking forward to the implementation of this rule. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, he kind of ran it and <laughs> railed. He was kicking and screaming about it during the season, and I don't think that's changed. And uh, now the rule says, you know, a starter or reliever, when they enter the game, has to face at least three batters or at least finish the inning. Um, I guess if you come in with, what, two outs and uh, you've, you've got to finish that inning. So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely going to change, um, you know, the way a lot of managers manage, and it's going to change the way uh, people put to, teams put together their bullpens. Uh, you're gonna, I think, uh, you know, Francona's concern was, that it favors, uh, you know, big money teams that can go out and sign the best relievers, the guys that you know are going to be able to pitch a full inning of two innings, regardless of lefties or righties, the lefties or righty hitters that they're facing. Where, whereas the Indians, you know, they've, they, Francona especially is, is adapt that, you know, Oliver Perez gets a lefty, then you bring in Simber for the righty, 
and then uh, you bring in uh, Tyler Clifford for another righty, something like, you know, three oh. batters to get three outs instead of, you know, uh, I mean, three, three pitchers to get three, uh, three outs instead of one pitcher to get six, three outs or six outs. Well, and really that's a lot of what Terry Francona and, and guys like Brad Mills and Carl Willis are doing during the game is, is sitting there predicting what's going to happen with each guy and, and setting up who they want to face and who they're, they're getting ready uh, in the bullpen to, to do that. Uh, so Francona will have a lot more free time during the game, I guess, to, to sort of watch stuff. And, and the thing is, you know, and uh, uh, Tito's one of his other complaints was that it, it, it changes the competitive uh, level of the game. I mean, let's say you go with a reliever and uh, he starts an inning and gives up two, you know, back-to-back home runs. You're not supposed to take that guy out. You got to leave him in there to get at least another guy out. He's got to fake you know, an injury so, or something. Yeah. yeah, I mean, or yeah, unless he fakes an injury, uh, you know. So it it it's it's really going to change. You know, I think it's going to change, especially the late innings. And from uh, MLB side of it, uh, you know, they want to speed the game up. You know, they think the pitching changes slow the game down, bog it down. But and again, you know, it's interesting that the players' association agreed to this rule but you know agreed they also agreed not to grieve it to file a grievance against it because it's costing their some of their members jobs so right. you know it's just it's just one more log on the fire for when this basic agreement uh, uh you know but I, I think the players association uh, they they got a concession and when they agreed to not fight this uh, I think they they got a concession too, didn't they? Uh, it was maybe it was yeah. I don't know if maybe it was the extra man that the twenty six. Yeah, that was probably it. Yeah, you know that's what I was saying. The roster, but uh, yeah, that it, it, from the players' association side of it. Now, to me, how much time are you really going to save forcing a guy to stay out there if he's giving up home run after home run and men on base and and he slows down and he's you know thrown over to bases because he's got you know, runners on and whatnot. I, I really don't see – I see things balancing out. If if you're forced to leave a guy in for three batters, he's he's pitching to these guys and, and giving up hits, and uh, there's – the innings go on longer anyways. And, and once you get to three, then you're taking them out anyhow. Yeah, you know, I think that's probably, you know, uh, like one of those unintended consequences. And, you know, they're, they're, when you make a rule change, there always are those unintended consequences. And that probably will be one of them, and I'm sure we'll discover more of them as uh, you know next season unfolds. Yeah, there's no clock on these guys when they're circling the bases. If they if the if the pitcher's crummy and he has to stay in there for three batters, I, there's there's no clock on it. So there you go. Uh, and, and you talked about uh, you mentioned you know the Indians keep sending Brady Aiken down to the minors, and you know they they keep sending him to lower and lower levels of the minors to try and rediscover his. Uh, his his arm strength and and, and whatnot, but uh, uh, the news came out this week that the the Major League Baseball is looking to contract its uh, or you know reduce its number of, of affiliations with teams by forty two. There's forty two teams, including the the Mahoning Valley Scrappers, uh, who could be on the the chopping block here, uh, according to this this proposal by Major League Baseball. Yeah, this is uh, this is interesting, Joe. Uh, you know, I I mean, you know that. MLB is supposedly doing this as part of a broader plan. This is a proposal right now. You know, they, uh, the, the, uh, their, their let me, let me stop you. Let me stop you right there. These proposals, they all come through. 
Yeah. It's proposed. They're doing it. But this, this is, this is going to be interesting. Uh, the, the, the MLB's deal with the 160 minor league clubs, it, you know, uh, expires after the 2020 season. So 2020 is going to be business as usual. But I found it interesting that, uh, you know, all of the minor league teams immediately filed a protest with uh, with the U.S. Congress, they went to they went to the government to to stop this. And mm-hmm. if you know, you know, baseball has had a sweetheart deal since you know the 1930s with the antitrust. They're 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 exempt from antitrust uh, rules. And uh, if you th- if if uh, Congress threatens MLB with with antitrust legislation to take that right away. Uh, I, I think they're going to the minor leagues are going to flourish. I don't think they're, they're going to take any of those. The only the only reason they had they had ever had uh, uh, steroid testing was it went to the Congress. Went to Congress, they right? Finally went in front of the government, and that's that's when that's well, can when we get a salary cap. Can they can they push for a salary? Can, can Congress push for a salary cap? That'd be great. <laughs> so so I think uh, MLB. You know this is you know this is a proposal. Um, I, you know, I don't know. You know. Hopefully for a lot of these clubs, like, you know, the Mahoning Valley, uh, the, you know, the Scrappers, it's a good organization. Uh, you know, t- the MLB says they have, you know, they want teams to upgrade their facilities. Mm-hmm. You know, Mahoning they Valley, just just six, a 600 grand uh, yeah. weight room and, you know, to their stadium. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, I, I can see why, you know, not every, not every MLB team is as fortunate as the Indians to have the majority of their minor league clubs in Ohio. You know, that makes travel, that makes scouting, that makes everything so much easier. You know, but if you're, if the Indian, if you're the Indians and your AAA club is playing in Las Vegas, you know, if you need a player overnight, that's going to be, that makes it difficult. So I could see why Major League Baseball would want to reconfigure some leagues and, and make it, e- you know, and, and geographically make it easier on the parent club in that regard, but to cut 40 clubs and, you know, I've read some stories where the clubs are talking about cutting, you know, short season clubs, mostly, Mm -hmm. you know, they've they've been playing baseball since the 1800s and they just want to do away with that. And and that's the thing. So uh, the, the, the clubs that they're targeting, the minor league organizations they're targeting are ones that are like sort of in the middle of nowhere where there's nothing else. There's no other baseball uh, on the great plains there. You know, uh, the, the closest teams are, are in you know Colorado or Texas or whatnot. You're, it, fans would have to drive hours and hours to see a, a, a real professional baseball game, and that's the the disturbing part to me is that you know Major League Baseball has all these initiatives to try and you know promote and attract younger viewers and 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 and, and you know consumers. I guess it, it it you're doing the opposite of what your mission is basically if you're if you're taking access away by by cutting minor league teams i can't i can't see that yeah that's a good point joe i mean you have a play ball initiative you know all the commercials you see the kids all over mm-hmm. the you know they let try them, let them play you know kids playing at all levels and you're taking away the minor league minor league parks that you know kids can go to watch for you know for a lot less a lot cheaper than going to a big league ball game well and you know they, like you said there's a lot of initiatives out the, out there that they've got yet the initiatives uh, coming out of Houston, all, all those initiatives need to uh, need to end as well. The uh, we'll talk a little bit here now about the uh, 
the ongoing investigation into the Astros and the cheating. And I guess, I guess because everybody's saying that we have to say, well, everybody cheats. It's not just the Astros. But the Astros are the ones being investigated right now. So I, that, that, I guess that's part of the disturbing part to me is this people going out of their way to include everybody in this cheating, uh, you know, and, and by, by cheating, I mean the science dealings and the use of technology um, to do so. And that's, I guess, been perfected by the folks down in Houston uh, since 2017. Um, what are the, the possible repercussions that could come of this, uh, this investigation that, that we're seeing? Uh, do you think the, the Astros could, could even, you know, see like something like a postseason ban? Is that something that, that could happen? Boy, I don't know. I don't see that. I think, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, with the, uh, you know, uh, Manfred, Commissioner Rob Manfred put in the guidelines or rules at the start of last season against scouting, against the, you know, sign stealing and computerized sign stealing and all that. And uh, I think some part of the fines were draft picks, you know, loss of inter international bonus, bonus money. Uh, I, I, and I would think, uh, you know, I don't think uh, it's not that Manfred isn't afraid to uh, drop the hammer on teams. You know, this is a guy, this is the same guy that banned for life from baseball to the St. Louis GM that uh, that hacked into the Houston system, right. you know, and uh, uh, so he banned him uh, when when Atlanta was caught, you know, manipulating the minor league, uh, the international minor league draft. Those guys got fined $2 million and, and they lost like 12, you know, most of their, their international draft class, which was considered one of the best in the, in the country. So, uh, you know, I, I, and I think, I think, you know, you will see the, those kind of penalties. I think you could see a suspension of, of people, you know, if, if there's, you know, if there's, you know, what about Hinch? Do you, do you think they could suspend Hinch? Their could, I don't, I, I would think they could suspend a manager. I would think it would more likely go up to the GM, the front office. I think somebody would pay a price there because I think it all starts at the top and works its way down. Well, I get that. But I mean, if, if you're AJ Hinch, that's your dugout. You're, you're the, the captain of the boat right there. Yeah. And it's going on in your dugout during a game. I, you, you would have to spend, I'm talking not just a, a little suspension. I'm talking like a half a season suspension or something like that for AJ Hinch. I think yeah, it I mean, has I to think, be something. Yeah, severe. I think whatever penalties come down, they're going to be, they're going to be severe. I would think. And, well, and it's, it's, you know, in talking to people, I mean, you know, the, the, the Astros are getting investigated for 2017, but this has been going on for, you know, this is 2017, this is 2018, 2019. I mean, when the Indians, like we've talked about this before, Joe, when the Indians were preparing to play the Astros in 2018 in the ALDS, they were so consumed by changing signs and not, not giving anything away to the Astros that they were totally distracted. I mean, the Astros were a better team and swept them. Right. And, and it was, there was no doubt about it, but, I think the Astros got in their head. They played some mind games with them, and uh, they just beat them. And uh, you know, so that they they knew then that was going on. When they played them this year, they were doing the same thing. They prepared extra, especially at Minute Maid Park. But how frustrating is it for the Indian side of things if you actually catch somebody from the Astros organization pointing a camera into your dugout and still nothing happens, and then the league comes out with some. BS reasoning why, well, he was just policing you guys. I, I, 
that to me just it blows my mind that the league the league let this go on. They knew what was going on, and they continued. Yeah, I think, to- you know, it's it's a it's a can of worms, like you were. Re- like you were saying earlier, you know, you you get one guy and, you know, there's 29 other guys that are being run by, you know, Harvard grads and, and smart people. And they, they've, they've grown up with the Internet. Somebody knows how to to, to, right. to, to work this to their advantage. So, you know, and, and uh, it's like a pine tar. You know, you don't mm-hmm. – when, when Bauer called out the Astros for using pine tar, the Astros pitchers, well, you know, I'm sure – that wasn't a, I'm sure there were, you know, the 29 other clubs knew or 28 other clubs knew that was going on as well. But you call the Astros out. What about your guys that are using pine? Well, exactly. Yeah. It's the four other guys in your rotation who use the right. sticky stuff. Uh, it, it, now you mentioned, you know, the, the, the guys who know how to use technology. We've seen the influx of the analytics guys come into major league baseball, you know, the guys who used to be GMs and, and running the show and, and all that and, and the scouts were baseball guys. They were baseball lifers. Now they're guys from accounting firms and guys with, you know, advanced degrees who never played a game of major league baseball in their life, but they're the ones running the show now and it's win at all costs. You've got wall street guys coming into major league baseball. Who's only, who've only ever known, you know, the business sense of kill or be killed and don't respect the way that the game was always played. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I just think, you know, the, the game has changed. You know, analytics have, have uh, come into the game. I think the best, the best franchises are able to, to marry the two, you know, the, the, the on-the-field scouting with the analytics, uh, you know, and I think uh, – it all depends what kind of people you have running the show. And it, you know, it just like anything, any other business, if you have character, if you have uh, morals, if you, if you want to do things the right way and try to win it, and that starts at the top, it trickles down. And uh, so, you know, it, I think that's just like anything else, uh, anything else, any other part of the, you know, the business world. And, uh, you know, we'll see. You know, some teams obviously operate differently than others. And, you know, I think there's probably the Astros have won. They've been a very good club. You know, they they won it, you know, by tanking, you know, for five, six years by losing 100 games. And, you know, they worked the system to uh, – to uh, they didn't work the system. They used the system to draft great players. And they're a very, very good team right now. And uh, so along with that comes some jealousy from, from the, the people playing against them too. Right. Uh, well, another way that uh, analytics is, is sort of, you know, coming into the game and being used is uh, looking at the eligible players who are now on the ballot for the Hall of Fame, the BBWAA releasing its uh, Hall of Fame ballot for the class of 2020. Uh, Paul, you vote in, the, uh, in the, the, the Hall of Fame election every year. Uh, once again, Omar Vizquel uh, is a candidate. He's one of the one of the top five returning vote getters from last season, uh, along with guys like Kurt Schilling, Larry Walker, uh, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens. Uh, these uh, Larry Walker, of course, in his last year of eligibility, uh, I think he has a really good chance. But really, the headliner from from this ballot in this class is Derek Jeter. Uh, the the question is not a matter of will he get in in the first ballot, but will he be unanimous uh, like Mariano Rivera was last year. 
uh, just your take on on the the ballot as a whole for this upcoming uh, this upcoming election. You know, Joe, it's it's interesting. I I've always tried to vote for ten guys, uh, and uh, I think I've done it. The you know ninety nine point nine percent of the time that I voted. Uh, this 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 ballot, you know, and I, let me uh, clarify. I don't vote for the steroid guys. I don't vote for Bonds, Clemens, Sheffield. Any guys that I feel, you know, use use steroids, uh, so you know that eliminates some. And Manny Ramirez in there that 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 breaks my heart, by the way. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, Manny's got caught twice. I mean, he got caught red-handed, you know. So, uh, but those are the guys I don't vote for. But on this ballot, it's it's tough for me to find ten guys. You know, I, the guys that jump out at me right away are you know Jeter, Fiskel, Kent, Schilling. Uh, Billy Wagner and and Walker. I, I and I'm going to have to you know study the ballot a little closer. Uh, you know Andy Pettit. I thought was was always a good pitcher. Is he is he a Mike Bucina clone? Another, another steroid guy as well. Yeah, that's true too. You know, and uh, so you know it's 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 interesting. And uh, so um, we'll have to we'll have to check that. But I you know but those are the those are the six guys that I I, I like that 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 I voted for in the past. And, uh, you know, and I think Jeter, yeah, definitely a first ballot guy. I think, uh, he get a hundred percent of the vote. I think he'll be a unanimous pick. I really do. I don't think it's hard to argue with him. I mean, I feel, you know, you know, uh, Mariano Rivera was a no doubt, no doubter to me. I thought, you know, postseason, regular season, you, you couldn't find a flaw with the guy. And I, I feel very much the same with Jeter. Yeah, five rings will uh, will will do that. Uh, I think you you know you, you can actually make an argument that uh, there are guys on the ballot who are especially using the war statistic uh, who who are more deserving than Jeter on the on this particular ballot. But the five rings just makes up for it, and the 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 sort of mystique and 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 the fact that he's a New York he's a New York Yankee and he played his entire career with the Yankees and. Uh, there are a lot of reasons why. Uh, what kind of gains do you think Omar can make this year, if any? Well, I think yeah, I think he'll. Hopefully, he makes uh, some some gains. You know, some big gains. What he went from what I think thirty seven percent to about forty two, forty three percent. Forty two. Yeah. In in the the first two years, and that's that's a big jump. Hopefully, he can get to close to fifty fifty five percent. You know, maybe maybe even more. I think this this kind of off ballot should help him, you know, uh, Bonds and Clemens are, they've got two years left. Um, you know, they're both around, I think 59, 60%, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to be interesting to watch, but I think Omar hopefully makes it, makes another big surge. I don't think he'll get in this year. Uh, but I think because of, you know, really the last, you know, the, there's not a, you know, besides Jeter, and depending how you feel about the steroid guys, there's not really a, you know, a no doubter about it on this ballot. That should help him. That should get him a little more attention and people look his way a little more, hopefully. Do you ever, ever imagine a scenario where you would vote for a Bonds or a Clemens or any of those guys who were in the steroid area? Era? No, no, I don't. I, I, <laughs> I just, you know, I know uh, that makes me <laughs> probably <laughs> – I'm just, you know, I think no, there are there are guys who who think the exactly the same. Voters who feel feel the exact same way, and they will never vote for them, just just like you. But there, yeah. we have seen an increase in the last yeah. few years, especially with newer voters coming in, 
who who look past the the transgressions and and vote for him. Yeah, I, and I you know I agree with it. I think guys, uh, you know, the younger writers that that have you know been in in the uh, DVWA for ten years, um, you know, they don't uh, they don't you know they I think they're more statistically oriented and they look at the statistics and bang you know okay you know and if and if you're going to just look at the statistics hey. I'd vote for Bonds and Clemens too, but you know, like I always say, Joe, those these guys knew they were cheating. They, uh, you know, they they played in an era when there, there was no testing. You know, only testing later in their careers, if if at all. Uh, but these guys weren't sit standing in, you know, sitting at their lockers shoving a needle in their butt. You know, where everybody could see, they were doing it. They were they were doing right. it in secrecy. They were they knew they were doing wrong. They knew they were doing they weren't doing, uh, you know, the right thing. They were skirting the, the uh, skirting the uh, issue. You know, the laws of the game, or the laws of the country. Anyway, steroid, the use of steroids was illegal in the country. So, you know, that I just that's I I just feel like you know Bonds was a Hall of Famer before he started using. I thought Clemens the same way. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand. Well, maybe I do understand the nature of athletes where, you know, if you get a little older and you start to lose it, you know, you want to stay on top. And uh, I, I understand that, but uh, Hey, Willie Mays, it happened to Willie Mays. It happened to Bob. It happened to Babe Ruth. You know, those guys aged, uh, you know, maybe not gracefully, but they aged and right, uh, you know, right. that's a natural progression of things. You don't change the, the uh, composition of your body, you don't change, uh, you know, your the bat speed and your muscle mass uh, and, you know, your ability to bounce back after, after you know, throwing 120 pitches. Um, you know, when as you get 35, 36, 37, that doesn't happen normally. So I think uh, they cheated the game. They cheated themselves. Bonds and Clemens and, and any steroid guys, uh, you know, it, it, they'll be off the ballot uh, if, if, if things hold, hold the same way. Uh, they, their 10 years is up uh, in, in a couple more tries here. Uh, do you see them moving to a committee vote like the, the modern day committee, uh, which is, is a more select group of Hall of Famers who get together and vote to, to see if they want to add sort of like these veteran committees, uh, uh, you know, where we're looking at, uh, a guy like a Kenny Lofton who fell off the ballot early, he's going to have his chances to get on through these these veterans committees and these different eras and whatnot. Uh, a modern day committee could elect a Bonds or a a Clemens after they fall off the ballot if that holds true. Do you see that? Do you see guys who are already in the Hall of Fame voting for these guys to come in? You know, I know there's steroid guys in the Hall of Fame. You know, I know uh, guys have used. You know, I, I thought Yvonne Rodriguez, you know, was definitely a steroid guy. I didn't vote for him, but he got in. Loved him as a catcher, loved watching him. Thought he was a great catcher, but I thought he cheated. Uh, yeah, but I think these guys, if, if Bonds and Clemens and Sheffield, those guys don't get in by the writers, I think they're going to have a heck of a time getting in uh, on the Veterans Committee, whatever form that takes, uh, just because most of the, most of the if Joe Morgan is is voting on the Veterans Committee, you can bet those. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna work the room, and those guys are not. I don't think those guys, most of those the veteran guys, the guys that are in the Hall of Fame, aren't 
aren't big proponents of steroid guys coming into Cooperstown. And I think that's going to be tougher for them. Those, you know, those uh, committees are, are uh, the members are older writers mm-hmm. and uh, historians. Uh, I, I think they're going to have a tough time. I think the BBWA is probably the best avenue, the best chance for Bonds and Clemens and, uh, you know, whatever steroid guys are left to get into the Hall of Fame. Right. And, it, you know, it's, it sets up issues for the Hall of Fame itself. Uh, you know, who sits – what of these veteran guys, these Hall of Famers who are already in, goes up and sits behind these guys during the enshrinement ceremony? Uh, I could see Joe, definitely Joe Morgan would boycott if, if Bonds or Clemens or any of those guys got in. Well, Joe Morgan, what, like a couple of years ago, sent out letters to every BBWA right. voter – pleading for the for for the the voters not to vote for Clement anybody who was you know they thought was had cheated and uh you know that that's when he got, he was afraid when Clemens and Bonds were were making moves were were gaining uh you right. know percentage votes and, and what happened after he sent that what happened after he sent that letter I think uh, Bonds and Clemens both actually had increases in their vote totals yeah cuz uh, a lot of writers got upset about that they felt he was telling them what to do so they were telling that Morgan was trying to influence their votes. So, right. you know, it, it can, but I, you know, you know, you talk to guys like Burt Blylev and, you know, definitely that they, they want nothing to do with, with the steroid guys. And, you know, I think if, if they get in, they get in and, uh, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a, a collection of choir boys for sure. And, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, if they get in, they get in, but, uh, you know, I think they're going to have a tough, tough goal. I mean, come on, Sheldon Oaker's in the Hall of Fame right now, too. So it's, <laughs> it, it, it's not exactly a clean slate, right, Paul? That's right. <laughs> you, you could probably tell a few stories, I'm sure. Uh, all right, well, a uh, lot, lot going on for the rest of this week. Obviously, uh, we'll, we'll be able to find out uh, who's eligible for the Rule 5 draft that the Indians are, are putting up there and who they're keeping. So roster, roster moves ahead. Uh, lots of other stuff as we get cl- closer and closer to – uh, the the winter meetings and hey at some point somebody's going to start somebody other than Atlanta is going to start signing free agents right Paul let's hope you know <laughs> yeah I, let's hope that that there's some action you know so we're not you know sitting here in uh, March and February waiting for the last of free agents to sign all right well we'll talk to you guys again next time on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast.